try to burn off. Run right to the back of him. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Back here on Radio Row, Chris Phillips, Spurs Up Show. Year two, Shane Beamer, lots and lots of momentum. Recruiting trail, killing it there, but also just on the field, into the year strong, beat Clemson. Um, let's just start there. I think this will probably – I've talked to some people. I said this is probably the most anticipated. Palmetto Bowl, is that what they call it? Yeah, the Palmetto Bowl. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's got a couple of different names, but I think we've settled on Palmetto Bowl probably at this point. Okay. I, I think probably the most anticipated since probably 2012 when Connor Shaw and Dylan Thompson and them were doing their thing. Um, what's – I mean, expectations for South Carolina – in 2023. Yeah, but I, I think the expectations from the fan base, for sure, you know, the excitement's at a fever pitch. You know, anytime you end the season, back-to-back top 10 wins, improbable wins as well. I mean, taking down Clemson a week after what happened in that Florida game in Gainesville, you lose 38-6. to to, to take down Tennessee in the manner in which you did, you know, Spencer Rattler throwing six touchdowns and having, I think, one of the greatest performances in school history for a quarterback mm-hmm. in Carolina. Uh, beating Clemson in that finale, obviously, you know, you mentioned it was 2013, the last time you beat them. Um, you know, you lose the Gator Bowl, but still, yeah, the excitement man's at a fever pitch. And I think, you know, Gamecock Nation, I think looking to just match that win total from last year, get to that eight-win mark, you know, I think most of this fan base is bought on the fact that it's a that it's a, a long-term deal for Shane Beamer and company. But also when you've got a guy like Spencer Rattler returning, Juice Wells, who I think you could most certainly argue is, you know, the best wide receiver in the SEC. I think he'll be a first-team All-SEC guy. Um, you know, a lot of your defense back as well. I mean, there's reasons to believe this team can, you know, once again overachieve, right? They're about over under six and a half in Vegas in the win total. So, but there are a lot of pieces coming back. And I think the expectation, again, if you can get back to that eight win mark, I think what it starts to do is reestablish a new floor at South Carolina because this has historically has been, you know, floating right around a 500 program. You know, Steve Spurrier had the short spurt of success Mm. there. But nothing really sustained over a long period of time. I think if you get back to eight and four better this year, you know, you continue to build that momentum, like you mentioned, in recruiting, you know, what he's doing on that trail, the way they're recruiting the offensive and defensive lines, line of scrimmage. You know, I think that's the for South Carolina to take the next step as a program or get closer and closer to it. As you know, it's it's all about the trenches, mm-hmm. trench warfare. That's what wins in the SEC. So, you know, I think right now the 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 vibes are extremely high. I mean, again, anytime you end the season the way they did, you, you beat your arch rival for the first time in forever. And you mentioned, I mean, I definitely think that game at Williams-Brice Stadium. I mean, there's a lot of football to play before them, but just looking at it now, that would be probably the most highly anticipated, um, you know, rivalry matchup since going into 2014, maybe when South Carolina was trying to make it six in a row, right? Because since then it had been domination on the Clemson side. And, you know, you finally turned that thing around. That's a big game too, to prove that, you know, last year wasn't a quote-unquote fluke, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's almost what Carolina's going to be fighting this year is if they start the season slow, maybe it doesn't go as planned. People are going to say, well, you know, was the Tennessee game a fluke? Was Clemson a fluke? Because they're not able to recapture that. So it's a big season for many reasons, but I would say the hype and anticipation's really as high as it's ever been in Columbia. Do you sense any kind of, I guess, a little, like, sigh of relief, a little exhale from the fan base? Because you had Spurrier... He was up there in age, so I think most people knew it was going to eventually – he was going to, you know, go off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Well, Muschamp, different style of coach, but a guy that could just be plucked up at any point to be a D.C. somewhere because he's a really respected defensive mind. Mm-hmm. Now with Shane Beamer, he's coached 
at South Carolina before. He's comfortable there. Um, I mean, do you sense this is kind of a this is it? Like this is the the long haul for him. He's going to stay there as long as he can, as long as they'll have him. I mean, I, I think that, certainly I think that is yes the reality. And, and, and you know, after the Will Muschamp debacle and the way that thing went down, and, and Shane Beamer was the perfect fit for South Carolina. You know, I, I think he's. And I say this all the time. He's a guy that he doesn't see South Carolina for what it is. He sees it for what it can be in regards to you know setting the expectations, setting the standard. You mentioned he was on that staff with Steve Spurrier back in 2010. That went to the SEC championship, so he knows what it looks like. And you know, also, he's just a great fit for South Carolina. We talk about fits, right? You know, uh, the question with Brian Kelly, was he going to be a fit at LSU? Sam Pittman, how he's a fit at Arkansas. I mean, Shane Beamer is just a South Carolina guy, right? He's talked about that a lot, the way he embraces the fan base, the culture, the community. And, uh, you know, again, like I mentioned, sort of breaking the mold in Columbia. But, uh, you know, the Gamecocks, the Gamecock fan base, I know for sure, loves Shane Beamer. There's many reasons to do so, but the way he's embraced everything in Columbia is, you know, I think it sort of speaks for itself. So um, I, I think this fan base is most certainly certainly locked in for the long haul. I think looking at – you could look at South Carolina as sort of his version of Virginia Tech, you know, kind of what his yeah. dad did at Vatech, and I think that's – Gamecock Nation would be thrilled if that's what it turns into because he had a long run of success there in Blacksburg. So, you know, only time will tell, as you know. I mean, this is a year-to-year league, and I'm not trying to sound like coach speak, but it can just – Right, it can just change like that. I mean, if South Carolina mm-hmm. starts the season off one and four or two and three, even there's the rumblings can happen, man. I mean, I'll never forget last season, even after the Florida game, again South Carolina loses 38 to six. They're sitting at six and four. Marcus Satterfield, their OC, is still employed, and there were rumblings from Gamecock fans, you know, just on social media and stuff. But you know, people that were just up in arms and dissatisfied and like, what's Beamer doing? And all of a sudden, two weeks completely changes the narrative on the season. But you know, it was a long-term play. This is a guy who had never been a head coach before, obviously never been a head coach in the SEC before, and he was going to be learning on the job just as much as Gamecock fans. You know, we're going to be learning about him and his football team. So I think if South Carolina sticks by Shane Beamer, which I believe they will, and they give him time in the long term, they're going to be very happy. And I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC or national championship, but I think it's going to be a much more consistent product over the long haul. South Carolina, I think, realistically can be an eight to nine win per year program and every three to four years hit that double-digit win total and be challenged Georgia, whoever it is at the top for the SEC East. And, you know, especially with an expanded playoff, can make a 12-team playoff and, you know, who do, who knows, maybe do the unthinkable. So I think Shane, you're certainly the long-term play at South Carolina. I think Gamecock Nation is hoping for that as well. Last thing, they don't play a lot. Um, they play next year, though, yep. up in Cola, uh, Ole Miss, South Carolina. What, what are your thoughts on on the Rebels? Lane Kiffin will be here tomorrow. Jackson Dart, year two. A lot of excitement there, a lot of buzz. They added some pieces in the portal. Um, the SEC West is tough, and their schedule, yeah. for lack of a better term, sucks. Uh, it's rough. <laughs> but what, what, what do you think Lane Kiffin and them will do, uh, and what is year four for him? You know, I, I love Lane Kiffin. I mean, he's just an electric factory. I mean, you talk about listening to coaches and who wins the podium and who doesn't, right? I mean, Lane Kiffin is a dude that – it's funny. He's, like, socially awkward, you know what I mean? So, But he just has a way, especially the way he plays it up on social media. And yeah. The, you know, and he gives it to everybody, right? The, yeah. When he when he tweeted out the, the picture during the Florida spring game and put the fire emojis, like, mocking it was, like, 7-3 or yeah. something in the spring game. But uh, – you know, listen, I think that'll be a great matchup next year at Williams-Brice. You know, it's interesting with the way the schedule's, like, realign, realigning. There's no Georgia, Tennessee, or Florida next year. But, uh, you know, you get LSU, Ole Miss, Texas, and very, like, SEC West type of schedule. I know we're going away from East and West. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss this year, and I know Rebel fans is where they'll probably turn off the show. But, I, I mean, I've predicted them at 6-6. Six and six. They're hard to predict, man, because you know the offense is going to be there. I mean, it's it's – 
I fully expect one of those quarterbacks is going to work out. That may be the, one of the best quarterback rooms in, in the country, truly, yeah. with, with Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and I believe they got Walker Howard there as well, correct, the LSU transfer. So, uh, I mean, I think offensively, Lane Kiffin, his reputation speaks for itself. It's just all about what can they do defensively. I know they leaned on the transfer portal. They're like one of many out here that, that are going to the portal to get answers. Uh, you know, And they're one of those SEC teams, sort of middle of the pack I look at, that you know you can point to three or four reasons why they could go six and six. You can point to three or four reasons why they might win nine or ten games. I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's all about finding consistency and finding something that clicks and winning close games. And so I'm sure Ole Miss will be right there. But I mean, I love what Lane Kiffin has done. And I mean, that'll be a hell of a matchup, man. I, I look at that game just way too early, way, way too early. I mean, that's probably a game if you don't score, if you don't score 30 plus, you're not winning that game. Just going yeah. up against Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss offense. And I mean, I love what Lane Kiffin's done with the Ole Miss program as well. I think he's he's uh, he's made them relevant not they weren't before but to a higher degree and you know he's somebody that honestly a couple years ago you know when will muschamp was the coach this is before beamer i was sitting there saying i would have taken lane kiffin you know what i mean at south carolina so i think he's a great fit for the rebels and i mean he's he's a guy that uh, you know i was talking to west blankenship of dogs hq last week about their schedule just saying that lane kiffin's a guy that can give you just absolute headaches if you're not careful and i think he'll probably do the same to south carolina next year it'll be a great matchup and i think they're poised for a great season this year so we'll see all right, it's Chris Phillips, Spurs Up Show. Let, let them know where they where they can find you, you know, where they yeah. can subscribe, like, leave comments, all that stuff. Well, Zach, first thing, I appreciate the opportunity, man, to chat with you and talk ball. Uh, it's at the Spurs Up Show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, wherever you get your content. We host Threads? It. You on Threads? We're on Threads okay. now, yeah, right. at the Spurs Up Show. Not posting quite as much because <laughs> I feel like it's just Twitter reincarnated, but we are there. Uh, also, I host a daily live show. It's called The Daily Crow, which can be found on our YouTube. Airs noon to 3 Eastern time, Monday through Friday. And uh, we take questions, comments, calls. So any old Miss fans who want to call in, talk some ball, talk a little junk, uh, you know, we take callers from everyone. Uh, and then the podcast drops daily, Monday through Friday, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. So we're all over the place. Just at the Spurs Up show. You can check us out there. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Zach. That was awesome. This podcast is brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over to see Cody Allen and the crew to take on the challenge of their wide, plush Zoysa fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They have two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up the short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranch.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension, and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at bluffcityadvisory.com. Still here at Media Days, once again, covering everybody in the SEC. Got Brooks Austin here from Sports Illustrated. Uh, he was just running me through the CV. He's got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff to uh, to take care of. But good to uh, good to meet and spend some time with you, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. Glad to be here. So, I, I was just saying it. There's not a lot to say about Georgia. I mean, they're gonna, you know, quarterback. Who's gonna be the quarterback? Probably Carson Beck. They're gonna be really good again. Um, how quickly? I guess, how has your job changed with how quickly the expectations have changed there now? Back-to-back national champions going for the three-peat. Um, I was shocked that, that Kirby 
he did say he didn't really he he, he said that that stuff doesn't matter to him yeah but he knew the exact year that minnesota did it so yeah. i think i think he is paying a little bit of attention so he's a football historian i think it definitely matters to him he definitely knows the exact dates of 1936 and things like that just because he knows the knowledge of the game but he also knows that his team's not going to know those players or the, those teams but um, in terms of just like the overall vibe going into the season, I think you're right. I think they've tried to stay away from any type of decisions at the quarterback position, even though I think we all kind of know Carson Beck's going to be starting quarterback based off what we saw this spring. I mean, he was he got the first team reps with the with, with the ones and then um, got majority of the reps in the second half. Uh, or excuse me, the, Vandergriff and, and Stockton actually rotated with the ones in the second half. So the only guy that actually got the bulk of the reps was Carson. So. Going into a season where you don't really have any question marks other than, hey, how do we sustain the success? But to go back to your point, uh, you know, having national title expectations, it's funny, the Georgia fan base has always been kind of known as the this is our year fan base. Mm -hmm. Prior to the two national titles, Georgia fans would have swore to you every single year they were going to win a national title. So the idea that they're no longer the expectations, but kind of now the standard, I think, is necessarily the difference there. We'll get into the, the Ole Miss game. That's later in the year. Um, but as far as everybody else in the SEC East, I know I personally think South Carolina has a shot to be really good. I, yeah. I think that not not necessarily to beat Georgia, but I think that, that another year of Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer is a little more comfortable. They're building some momentum over there, recruiting and, and depth and all that. But is there anybody in the East that, that truly – could challenge Georgia, not even beating them, but just like Missouri did last year. You know, what's what what does that game look like if Georgia is going to struggle? Yes, I, I think the the two Eastern Division opponents. I think you kind of already hit on one of them, South Carolina and Tennessee. I think are the two teams that you look at the schedule today. You get South Carolina. I believe it's week three, first SEC uh, football game, but it's at home, so you mm -hmm. get kind of a, an easy introduction to the SEC, if you will, um, and. I don't necessarily believe, like used to in years past, South Carolina every once in a while would like sneak up on Georgia, and they've even done that to Kirby Smart. Um, but not since Shane Beamer's been there. If you go back and look at the last two seasons, Kirby Smart's putting a wallop on yeah. Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks. I don't know what that is. In fact, the only thing I can come to think of is that in 2017, after that year, Shane Beamer took a lateral move. He was the tight ends coach at Georgia and went to Oklahoma. I think other than Scott Fountain, who is the straight, uh, special teams coach at Arkansas, Shane Beamer is the only football coach in eight years to take a lateral move from the University of Georgia. And I think that might kind of tick Kirby Smart off just a tad bit. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing I can think of, the, the reason why he would do something like run up a 52-14 to 14 win uh, in Columbia. He does not do that to other football coaches um, in this SEC. Take a look at Mark Stoops. He beats that guy by 14 points every year. Yeah. He does not beat that guy by 48 points every year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, And then the Tennessee matchup, of course. But when you look at a November, I think that's 11th or November 18th matchup for Tennessee, they would have already have played Texas A&M. They will have already have played uh, LSU. They will have already have played um, you know, Alabama. So that football schedule for Tennessee – culminates with Georgia. It does not begin mm. with them. So I think we will know exactly who they are come mid-October or mid-November. We, we, we could have had a good talking point uh, if Lane Kiffin had gone to Auburn. Because there were a lot of people yeah. that said that would have been a lateral move. So we could have talked about that. For sure. I, <laughs> you know, I I think, hot take here, I, th I think Lane Kiffin is not the heir apparent, but the heir apparent's apparent at Alabama. I, th I think he's going to wait that one out um, and just kind of, I, I don't think he would risk the opportunity to be the next big-time guy at Alabama 
coaching at Auburn. I think that's just the bad news. No. I don't think that idea. would work. No, I don't think it would either. I think, it, um, you know, if anything, you got to go out west and then come back east or just stay at Ole Miss until yeah. the Alabama job's ready for you. Um, kind of talking about Tennessee um, and South Carolina's the two teams that could even remotely challenge Georgia. As far as, you know, because that's the expectation now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you're a recruiting guy too. I tell people all the time now, it was for the longest time it was Bama. Mm-hmm. Kid gets a Bama offer, you, you can't be mad at him. No. Now you get a Georgia offer. I mean, we saw it last year. A Donnie Mitchell mm-hmm. was at one point committed to Ole Miss, got the Georgia offer. He's out the door. Can't blame him. But the expectations, recruiting-wise, mm-hmm. um, Ohio State's cooking. Alabama's always going to do their thing. Um, some other schools are kind of bucking their head in that top five, but. Georgia and what they've done recruiting. I know Kirby talks a lot about, you know, building depth and yeah. not wanting to go heavy portal. And yeah. they're kind of in a spot where they really don't have to because they get a lot of the best players. But is there any true freshman that you think has a shot to oh, yeah. carve out a role this year? Oh, yeah. First first that comes off the bat is a guy named Jonel Aguero. Um, I think he's a borderline five-star. I don't know what on three Adam ranked as, but uh, one of the best safeties in America, probably a consensus number two overall safety behind Caleb Downs. I just went to Alabama that Georgia missed out on. But Aguero is a six-foot-one, six-foot-205-pound nickel corner, okay? So he's going to play in the slot this year. And they've got him lasered as fast as 4.38 in the 40, 4.35 range. This is an extremely physically gifted football player. And with the move of Javon Bullard back to safety, I think you could see an opening for a guy like Jonel Aguero, who provides a completely different skill set than the other guy at star for Georgia in Tyke Smith. Most people forget, former All-American transfer from West Virginia, finally getting back fully healthy after a a messed up knee injury back in 2021. So they'll get him back on the field, but he provides a different kind of like a more – zone skill set more a savvy football player great open field tackler whereas Jonah Aguero is just going to be able to be able to walk out tomorrow in the SEC and play man-to-man coverage in the slot probably the first radio podcast hit you've done this week where we've gone seven minutes on the dot now and haven't talked about Brock Bowers yeah um what does he have to even prove at this point I mean how special can he be you know one thing I think NFL uh, GMs are going to get – I don't know if they're going to get standoffish by this, but they're going to be like, that dude's different than anybody I've ever talked to. There's like zero self-confidence there. I don't know. He might be self-confident, but he has no self-awareness as to how good he is. Like, he walks around this planet just thinking he's J.A.G., just another guy. When in reality, he is the Mackey Award winner. He is probably, if not the best tight end and we've seen in college football, but like one of two. Right, yeah. it's either him or Kyle Pitts, and that's what we want to argue about, and that's what we will argue about. He has no clue, just absolutely no idea of who he is in this world and where he ranks. And uh, I think Kirby Smart alluded to that yesterday when he said he is the quietest hard worker I've ever met. Right, he works harder than anybody else I've met, and he is very quiet about it. If you listen or talk to anybody that believes they work hard, the first thing they're going to tell you is how hard they work. Uh, Brock Bowers is not bad. Yeah, it's like the I see that a lot in like. Twitter banner photos or Instagram yeah. where it's like nobody cares work harder. Yeah. That's kind of basically who he is. Yeah. Basically. I respect that. Um, I mean, he's what top five pick. She wins. So, so I, I think depending it's gonna, on who it is. I think I think honestly, I think the Kyle Pitts stuff might have scared some people off. You know, Kyle Pitts goes in the top five, top six, and then hey, we're still on a bad football team and we can't figure out how to get Kyle Pitts to football. So yeah. like I, I don't know if that is going to be a detriment. No different than like we saw Ezekiel Elliott be a top five pick. 
I mean, yeah. you haven't really seen running backs get picked in the top no. five since Ezekiel kind of killed the Dallas Cowboys' chances offensively to continue to stack talent. So we'll close with this one. Uh, you made a pretty bold statement. I don't know if you're going to put it on the record here. <laughs> Ole Miss, Georgia, late yeah. in November. Yeah. So by that point, you'd imagine Georgia has the quarterback thing figured out. They're mm-hmm. going to be rolling. But I was talking with uh, with Brian Brown earlier. Um, it's house money. Yeah. There's no pressure. Just go in there and have fun. Nobody get hurt. Just yeah. try to score some points. But how do you see that game going, and what do you think Ole Miss will be like this year? So we're going to think that's, what, like a 15 to 17-point spread? What do you think? Yeah, probably like 16 and a half. All right, so to overcome such – like to be overcome and win as a major underdog like that against a team like Georgia, I think you got to do a handful of things. Okay, I think you have to be able to run the football. Okay, You have to run the football successfully or willingly. And mm-hmm. I think with Judkins and Jackson Dart, who I don't know what you think about that quarterback Thank competition, you. but he's the starting yeah. quarterback. Okay, With their ability to run the football, I think that has an opportunity to keep Georgia's fo- uh, defense on the field, which is a requirement to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. I think also you have to have the ability to design up explosives. Right, Every scoring drive can't be 14 plays. Every scoring drive can't be 15 plays. You'll die doing that. You <laughs> have to be able to score quickly and design winners. Lane Kiffin's shown the ability to do that forever over his career and last and most important you have to have irrational confidence you have to believe that your shit does not stink and Lane Kiffin is the definition of that if I didn't just explain Lane Kiffin's tender profile I don't know how to yeah that was that was perfect he's I'll I'll, t- I'll tell him tomorrow that that's, that's what it needs to be so um yeah last thing Georgia I, 12 and 0, right? It's got to be the expectation. Yeah, expectation is probably 12 and 0 for sure. They're, they're, they're favored in every game, and they should handle business like they're supposed to. All right, appreciate it. That's yeah, no uh, Brooks Austin, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, Go ahead and plug everything, because I know you got the the full. Roster. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple, man. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Brooks Austin BA. If you're into YouTube stuff, check out the Film Guy Network. And if you're a Georgia fan, listen to this for some odd reason. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. We'll see you, brother. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. 
So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Introducing the new and improved BNA Bank mobile app. From setting transaction alerts and tracking your spending habits to managing travel plans and turning off a lost or stolen debit card, you can take care of all of it in the new BNA mobile app. At BNA Bank, we know that life moves pretty fast, and we have the mobile technology to keep up with your life on the go. BNA Bank, local, invested, modern banking. Here at SEC Media Days with Brett Norsworthy of Sports 56 WHBQ and Ole Miss pre and post game with Learfield. Brett, it's uh, it's been a minute since we've talked Ole Miss in an official capacity uh, with the uh, recorder on. We've talked at other times, but how you doing and uh, how's the week been? It's been great, Zach. Good to see you. It's been great and everybody's excited about football's best time of the year. And Hope Springs Eternal for everyone. I, I love this time of year when everybody's zero and zero and nobody's mad yet and nobody's begging for the backup quarterback to get in. Well, let's get into it. Um, speaking of backup quarterback, uh, Ole Miss did not bring a quarterback to SEC Media Days. They will be on today. Um, I have an idea of what I think the quarterback position is at Ole Miss, but what do you anticipate game one against Mercer? I think it's Jackson Dart, game one, game two, game three, game four, until otherwise uh, you know, the, the evidence rolls in, either by injury or lack of performance, and I don't think it would be the latter lack of performance. Jackson Dart got better last year. Jackson Dart stayed plenty motivated. He's been coached really hard. Lane coaches him really hard. He expects to uh, a lot from his quarterback. And I think he brought in Spencer Sanders for a reason, you, to, keep, uh, to keep him motivated. Also knowing the old saw of if you have two, you don't have one, that's over. That uh-huh. was really crafted back in the days of a 10-game regular season schedule. We play 12 in the regular season. It's not all formidable opponents, but you can get hurt against Mercer just as well as uh-huh. you can against Alabama. So Jackson, Jackson Dart, he, he'll be the starter, but you've got a good safety valve guy in Spencer Sanders kind of warming up the bullpen. Uh-huh. And you've got a future guy in Walker Howard. Walker Howard's going to play a lot of football for Ole Miss over the next few years and I think be very successful. But the quarterback opening day is the same quarterback that got us out to 8-1 and one last year. And then, then down the stretch of the year, look, it was tough for everyone. I thought he played really well against Alabama. Most people – Kind of hold that you know that last drive, that last throw to a window of open for for Mingo uh-huh. in that north end zone. Uh, I, 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 I like to call it the Sinquez Golson end zone. <laughs> the, the window was there, Zach. It, it, it yeah. didn't happen. Ole Miss played well, and then after that day, the bucket was empty. Uh-huh. You uh, you mentioned that, and I've said that too. I thought Jackson Dart got better as the year went on. He got more comfortable, and he's. Every day is a is a day farther away from that injury that he had at SC. But year one to year two, I thought about asking Lane in the big room, but you know he's probably not going to answer it because he doesn't want to get specific about quarterbacks because he likes to, you know, play it close to the vest. But Matt Corral from year one to year two under the Lane Kiffin system, big jump, had a big final year in Oxford. Do you see that kind of jump for Jackson Dart? I, I do. Look what Lane's done over his career as head coach. And, and, and as an assistant coach, what he did at Alabama 
with, with, with players and the improvement they made from from year one to year two. And, and we point to Matt, and Matt Crowley put the, the work in. Now, Matt had the 2019 season, too. But remember, opening day against Memphis in 2019, he threw for 91 yards. <laughs> 91 yards. Wasn't and good. Wasn't good. It was, it was a rough <laughs> scene that day. And, and then the improvement he made in 20, and then the big, gigantic leap forward for mankind in 21, and just one of the more fun players that – that we've ever been able to cover and be around. And, you know, any, any old Miss quarterback that leads them to New Orleans, to the Sugar Bowl, it, it, it stays as a special player in everybody's heart. Speaking of fun players, he will be here today, Quinshawn Judkins. I, I talk to people all the time about making, making comps, you know, comparing them to other players. And it's no fun to compare them to average or mediocre players. You've got to compare them to the greats. Um, I remember when he was in high school, I said he reminded me a lot of T.J. Yeldon. His high school coach said the same thing. Now I've heard a, a, a really good one that I like. Somebody said they remind him of Ricky Williams when he was in college. Well, that's high praise. Who, right. does, who now, does he remind you of? Now, Lane says Josh Jacobs that he recruited at okay. Alabama, and that, that's a good one. But I'm with you on T.J. Yeldon, and it's not just the number four thing. It's not. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of that longer body, that longer stride. And, you know, I, I don't think that Quinshawn will ever break one and, and house it from, like, 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 he can from forty. He can from fifty. But but it, it's not sprinter speed. But that first step that and, and that elusiveness and power. I think it's more T.J. Yeldon. But Lane says Josh Jacobs. I like the Ricky Williams thing. And with the Ricky Williams things, let's let's talk about what he ultimately ended up doing. That's winning the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Well, to do that, you got to get in t- double digit wins. And on the road at Alabama, on the road at Georgia. That would be tough spots. But that's places for Heisman moments. Right. And then at the end of this year, after just two years, we're going to be talking about Quinshawn Judkins in that list of all-time greats at Ole Miss. And we know where that starts. That starts with Deuce. That starts with Dexter. You know, it goes to Do Innocent. It goes to a, a lot of other running backs. I think Scotty Phillips is in that list. Uh, yeah. With, with really all-time. You know, what wasn't great teams, but it was great production. From, yeah. from from him and Quinshawn Judkins, he, he he has great ability out of the backfield to catch the ball. He, he he's he's pretty he's pretty safe with the football. Not a turnover guy. Re- really great college player. A great great player. Switching over to defense, I, I think that as much Lane Kiffin's all about offense, and that's what everybody wants to talk about. But I think that's the key to this season. Going from seven and five, eight and four to maybe slipping up and winning nine. The defense, Pete Golding, new defensive coordinator. Um, we know the resume, we know the accolades. You know, coached under Nick Saban, coached those really good defenses. Can he do not even to that level because that that would be a, just a monumental jump? But can he do enough to get them to? Eight nine win territory. Zach, you can if the injury bug doesn't bite. If the injury bug's you know relatively kind to us, and we know we're going to have some, he can because of his enthusiasm. And we needed that. We need a hair on fire guy. We need somebody that when, when we look down on the sideline that, that, that's going crazy. I, and I don't know if he's going to be on the sideline, but he, I think he will be. That's where he was more comfortable mm-hmm. at Alabama. And, and I think it starts up front. We need Ivy. We need Cedric Johnson. We need the defensive front to have the big year. We need Kari Coleman to stay consistent all year. 
play the end of the year next year like he did at the beginning of the year uh, this year. And, and, and we need some breaks back there. But the one where I'm looking forward to, and we're doing a segment today, new, newcomer of the year with, with portal, with transfer, mm-hmm. but also kind of the old freshman of the year, it, it's Hunterine Perkins. I mean, I, I want to I see what he does. I think he has a year this year like another Perkins had last year at LSU. Okay. He reminds me a lot of Antonio Connor. Similar build, tweener. Oh, you know, I love, I love Antonio Connor. <laughs> uh, and and you, if he had had good knees, he'd have played forever in the NFL. Oh yeah. I, I, of all the freeze big signees, I thought he was the best. He just couldn't stay. You know, he just couldn't keep good knees. Um, staying on defense, you mentioned the portal and the the new additions and things like that. Um, a lot of big names on that defense now that came via the portal. Any body that you're looking forward to seeing game one and seeing how big of a factor they are on the defense? Well, we have to have somebody step up in the secretary to help out DeAndre, DeAndre Prince. And we, we need secondary help. That was a, a real liability last year. It really hurt us. It, it really hurt us in the Alabama game. What also hurt us in the Alabama game was Bryce Young. He was the difference in the game. But we, we, we need secondary help, so we got to have people step up there. But the schedule is quite different than it was last year, Zach. You know, last year it, it, it was a rather easy liftoff. Yeah. And, we, and we got out there at 8-1 and one after the big win at College Station. This year that's not the case. After Mercer opening day, and I'm, I'm glad we have that kind of game on opening day. I'd rather play the FCS opponent opening day than play them you know, up in November because everybody's excited about football season being here. But got to play Michael Pratt in Tulane week two. In Georgia Tech, after we blasted them last year, we will play them week three. And as odd as this may sound, Georgia Tech and Ole Miss founding members, charter members of the SEC together, and, and they've never played in Oxford. This will be the first time we've ever played the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech in Oxford. Last couple things here. You can give a win-loss prediction if you want or if you just want to give me a hot take or how you think the season will go. You mentioned the schedule. It's it's tough, but it's fun. Going to Athens, don't get to do that a lot. But Hadn't been there since 2012. Yeah. How do you see this, this week going? Uh, I, I, I think the season can be really good. we got to win those 50-50 games. And, and, and the last time we played Arkansas in Oxford, it was 52-51. So we got to we got to win those 52-51 games. We 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 got to win those kind of games. Sure, got a whole serve at home, and then hope to break through on the road. And one place to break through on the road is Thanksgiving night. Win, win the Egg Bowl. You know, you you do that can get out there to nine three, mm-hmm. and nine three go to a bowl game. Win, win that. Well, that's that's what we did two years ago. Go ten and three. Final question, over under. 1850 yards for Quinshawn Judkins this year. 1850 over under. I'm going to go slightly under. Slightly under because I think somebody develops that we don't know about as a capable second back. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe Riscano, yeah. ma- ma- maybe some somebody develops and they don't pound him that much. If they have to get that much out of him, if there's really no running back room by committee, then he then he can go over. I think it'd be better for the team to be slightly under. I was going to say, if he's running the ball like Ricky Williams did at Texas 45, 50 times a game, he might, he might get there. 
I'll give you a hot take, Brett. I think Kedrick Griscano is farther ahead right now as an incoming freshman than Quinshawn Judkins was. I wanted to go there, and I'm glad you did, and I'll, I'll jump in with you. I, I, I do, too, you know, because this time last year we were we were kind of concentrating on Zach Evans, and I, out of the spring game, out of the Grove Bowl t- uh, for Quinshawn, I, I thought he could be capable. I thought he'd be very good. I didn't know it'd be th- that, and it ended up being that. If Reese Cano is that, then he doesn't go 1850, but I think it helps the team. Mm-hmm. You know it. I know it. When everybody saw Lane Kiffin in the rain – at that Alabama State Championship game watching Quinshawn. That that was kind of when everybody knew he was the real deal, right? Picture says a thousand words, doesn't it?